to Music, Hope, Word, and Prayer, a podcast of rich music, hopeful prayer, and inspiring meditations with East Brentwood Presbyterian Church, a community church in the greater metropolitan area of Nashville, Tennessee. We are a faith community made up of a loving, welcoming family of believers in honest conversation with God. We seek to emulate the ministry of Jesus through compassionate service, with stimulating and relevant exploration of God's Word, and by sharing that Word and God's many blessings with our neighbors in Middle Tennessee and around the world. Hello, and welcome to Music Word, Hope, and Prayer. And Nate, welcome to you. How are you doing? Doing pretty good. Good. Hey, let me test your knowledge of phraseology. Have you ever heard that phrase, it's over, now what? I haven't heard that phrase exactly, but I heard that song, It's Over, from uh, by Roy Orbison. Oh. Yeah, all, all the rainbows in the sky start to even say goodbye. You won't be seeing rainbows anymore. Setting suns before they fall echo to you. That's all. That's all. But you see lonely sunset after all. It's over. It's over. It's over. Hey, Nate, I almost, uh, hey, folks, I, uh, Nate almost wanted to put on his Roy Orbison black glasses and brush back his hair, but uh, that's a good throwback there, Nate. Yeah. Uh, so, hey, this, I'm going to carry you down with another question down this road of music and composing and songwriting. So, put those hats on. And here's the prompt um, to write a song around these words It's over now, what? What comes to mind? Well, my wife is a big Taylor Swift fan. She went to the uh, concert at Nissan Stadium a couple of weeks ago. So when I hear it's over, I immediately think of one of those, you know, you done me wrong, now I'm moving on type song, it's over. Like she, Taylor Swift has a lot of those. For, <laughs> a, a lot of those. Yeah. So that, that's what comes to mind when I, when I see the words it's over in a song. Oh, kind of a breakup song. Yes. Hey, we are so Music City USA, Taylor Swift and Roy Orbison mentioned in right. the first couple of minutes. So could, let's move to a genre of movies and uh, describe a scene. Uh, put your composer a hat on it uh, with this thing. It's over now. What what comes to mind? What Turn it into a song that fits. Well, uh, in terms of movies, I, I love those sort of coming of age movies where the main characters, they start out as like innocent high schoolers and then they all graduate and go their separate ways and sort of are finding their ways into adulthood. You know, that I, I love those sorts of movies, 500 Days of Summer and a little bit at the end of Greece. So I think it's sort of apropos <laughs> to what's going on here um, at the end of May because we have graduations going on all over the place. Um, you hit that milestone of progress and you're walking out the door with a diploma in your hand, but not much more. So you got to figure out what's coming next. <laughs> now what? Right. Okay. All right. But uh, uh, so that's on the early uh, early years of high school years. Uh, um, what happens if we came up with a different uh, demographic? What would you? What direction would you go? Yeah, this one I have a little less experience with, I guess. But you know, it could apply to retirement as well. You know, I can't talk as much about that for multiple reasons. I'm I'm 36. So I have a long ways to go, and. I play the piano for a living, so I don't necessarily <laughs> want to retire, and I play the piano for a living, so that's not really a career necessarily known for its great retirement and pension programs. So retirement is not on my mind right now. <laughs> well, I'm in my 60s, and uh, uh, it's it's looking a little closer for me, although I do not know what I would do with myself when that day comes, if it can come, because I, too, am working in sort of the nonprofit space here, so it is still a little bit elusive, but it is coming. Um, well, um, 
So for kicks, I went ahead and Googled the phrase, it's over now what? And up popped any number of references to retirement. So you you hit upon that. I'm retired, now what? Is actually a, a book that's out there. And uh, and it's over now what is now the today's episode title. And we hope there'll be something that uh, is going to be said that will be helpful to those who are facing a transition uh, or a change uh, or an ending or uncertainty. Certainly, uncertainty is out there. I got the idea for what I'm going to share from something I heard uh, by, uh, from a speaker by the name of Barbara Lundblad. Uh, she said it at a recent conference about the stories contained collectively in what we know as the Bible or the scriptures. She said the book of scripture, the Bible, is closed. Or is it? Uh, yes, what we call the canon, the Old and New Testament, including the book of Revelation, was determined by the end of the 4th century. But I like what she said. The canon is closed, but the text is open. And by that, she meant that the Spirit of God is still working through our lives today, creating new stories. That could include fresh starts following endings or next steps to guide us in a transition. And that sent me to the end of John's Gospel, where if you read after the story of Jesus' resurrection in John 20, it seems like the writer of John tries to bring the Gospel to a close, but keeps on adding new stories, especially the story of Peter in John 21, where Peter feels like it's over. Now what? After Jesus' death and goes back to what he knew, which is fishing. He's been fishing all night. And I think this story speaks to those of us who may be in transition or feel like it's over. And if that sounds a bit unclear, stay with us. I'll come back with after the music um, and we'll we'll share more about this story. So Nate, hey, tell us what you're going to play today. Yeah, I'm going to play uh, This is the Day of New Beginnings. It's a great song for graduates and new retirees alike. It's a song about fresh steps if we continue to let the Spirit of God continue to work in our lives. So I think it'll be very appropriate for this morning. All right. right. Good choice for the entree. All right. Well, let's listen to the music, and then I'll come back with the message, and then the prayer for today will come at the conclusion of my message. Thank you for listening.
So Nate just played This is the Day of New Beginnings, a day to remember and to move on. Uh, and it seems like John is ending his gospel with chapter 20 as we hear the resurrection story. And then um, we hear of the appearances. One appearance is in John 20, and that is the text that is read uh, often at this time of the year by the church where uh, it was evening on the day and the first day of the week and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked as um, the disciples were there in fear. And Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. And then the disciples rejoiced and they saw that it was the Lord. And Jesus said, peace be with you. And that seems like a, a good ending. And then as we go on in John, as we close chapter 20, it is though John is putting a wrap on this gospel with these words. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. And that's how he ends in verse 30 and 31. That's the end, it seems. Close the book. But it isn't the end. And after the conclusion, after saying that there are many other signs not written in this book, the evangelist writes more. And so we go to John chapter 21, where the writer says, quote, After these things, Jesus showed himself again. And Barbara Lumblad, in reflecting on John 20 and 21, got me um, thinking with this phrase that she used, it's over, now what? Because she notices the postscript. Remember when we used to write letters, we would put, especially our love letters, we would do the PS, and then we would do the PSS. And the same is going on here in John, the tendency of John's gospel. After all was said and done, after everything was written that needed to be written, he adds another chapter and another ending. And then all of those endings are left in when surely a scribe from a long, long time ago could have cleaned up that with his red pen. So we go to John 21. And why is that story here at all? It's the story that we read of Jesus making an appearance at the beach and greeting Peter, who has gone back to what he knew, which was fishing. Peter and some of his disciples had been fishing all night. Simon said, I'm going fishing. The other said, we'll go with you. Even some of the, the guys who were in the cast of the characters of the disciples didn't know how to fish, and they weren't from parts of the country where they fished. And I wonder, why would they do this? Why would they do this after the resurrection? I, mean, I get it that Peter, who had made his living fishing, might consider it, but you know, he had just seen the resurrected Lord. Mind blow. And certainly there are bigger things for Peter now. I mean, it's like someone winning the Powerball and then going back to his shrimp boat Monday morning and doing the same old thing of what he has known all of his life. And some of those who said they would go fishing aren't, again, even fishermen. And besides, the fishing story should come at the beginning. If you look at the other gospel passages, especially Luke, it happens at the beginning when Jesus was calling his disciples. And so let me take you to the top line on the story. It's in John 21. I have that link in the liner notes here. They were fishing all night, caught nothing. Stranger appears at the beach. It's Jesus. They can't recognize him. Stranger tells them to fish. Where? Sigh. On the other side of the boat. 
What happens? They pulled in a big load. How many fish? 153. Um, I don't know why. Uh, uh, whole commentaries have been, uh, uh, paragraphs have been written on the significance of 153, 153 fish. I don't, not going to get into it. Commentators love to opine about the significance of that number, all the stuff about numerology. But finally, um, Augustine said, oh, it's a mystery. And then read on in 21. Notice Peter was naked fishing. I know something about fishing. And I suspect some of you all know something about fishing too. But I'm having a hard time seeing how being naked is helpful when it comes to fishing. And then Peter jumps into the water. But first he puts on clothes to swim to shore. Sigh, head scratch. Uh, This is the thing about John's gospel. Back to it. It should be at the beginning, this story of Peter fishing. Luke has a story at the beginning. It should be at the beginning, but not at the end. But that is the gospel writer John for you. He keeps on switching things up. And here's when we think things are wrapping up. It is as though John is saying, it's over. But it's not over. Thank you, Barbara. Barbara Lumbland. Because I think this is a message we need to hear, that it may feel like it's over in our lives sometimes, but it's not over. Look at John 21. Notice the charcoal fire. Did you catch the charcoal fire? I was struck by the charcoal fire. I mean, we have a solo stove in our backyard, and how over the last couple of years we have loved to go sit by the fire Because a fire will mesmerize you. You can have wonderful conversations around the fire. And when Peter saw the charcoal fire that Jesus had made, the resurrected Jesus had made, Peter stopped in his tracks. There was another time of a charcoal fire. You may remember it. In John 18, 18, This is written about another charcoal fire. Now the slaves and the police had made a charcoal fire because it was cold. Peter also was standing with them and warming himself. And when he heard the rooster crow, he knew that he had denied Jesus three times. It was over for Peter, but it wasn't over. And whoever put the postscript together at the end of John's gospel perhaps remembered the charcoal fire and put it here. Maybe the person put it there because Simon Peter and us would be drawn to that fire and need to hear it's not over. Yes, we need to hear that it is not over and that there is a next. Around that fire, Jesus has a chance to ask Peter a question. And the question is, Peter, do you love me? And then he asks, or says, then follow me. And that ask is coming at the end, not at the beginning. Follow me comes at the end, not at the beginning. And so Barbara Lundblad says the book of Scripture, the Bible, is closed. Again, as I said in my opening, by around the 4th century, the Bible with its Old and New Testament books had been formed inside what we know, uh, and they call it the canon of Scripture. And inside this canon are wonderful stories and teachings and texts, 
But also, there are some traumatic stories. What uh, one theologian used to call the text of terror in terms of trauma and the treatment of people, especially women. And I think it interesting what Barbara Lundblad says in light of John's gospel, that the canon is closed, but the text is open. That John's gospel concludes, but there are also many other things that Jesus did. And that's John 21, 25, where that is said. And you wonder what those stories were. And maybe John in these two endings gives us a model for adding to the life-affirming, life-restoring stories of the Spirit of God blowing in our lives. So here's a thought. Maybe we can add postscripts to the scriptures with the text of our own lives. Maybe we too have modern day versions to add what Peter experienced, the the futility of doing something where we have felt like we're just spinning our wheels, but then the Spirit of God invites us to rethink, to redo, to retry. And we are reminded that even when we feel like we're at the end of our rope, God is still with us. God still provides for us, even when we don't see how. Is there a situation like this you are facing? And we can add our stories as postscripts to the canon as we are modern-day Peters who deny and betray God. But the Spirit of God offers grace, and around our own charcoal fires of life, we are given powerful reminders that God's love is unconditional, no matter what we've done. God still loves us. God's always willing to forgive us. And He's always ready to welcome us back. It's over. Or is it? What's next? And there are a lot of us who aren't sure what to do with ourselves. We don't have to be retired to feel this way, although more retirees that I know than not say, I never uh, never knew how I found time to even work when I wasn't retired. But there are a lot of us, no matter our age, who aren't quite sure what to do with ourselves. And there are a lot of us who feel pretty uncertain or living in a time of uncertainty. The world is changing so fast, faster than we can keep up. So uncertainty and change is rampant. I want to refer you to a podcast by Kate Bowler in which she interviews Adam Grant. Uh, He teaches at the Wharton School at University of Penn. Uh, He's written about uncertainty, and it's about how we need to lean into uncertainty. Adam Grant says, if you lived a thousand years ago, you could basically stick to the same beliefs throughout your life and you'd be okay. Whereas now, with such an accelerating pace of change, the longer it takes you to admit that you are wrong, the more you become. That's a comforting thought, isn't it? And I think there's a dangerous place to live, he says, to live in that where you are not changing. Uh, It might mean that you're an expert for a world that doesn't exist anymore. It can mean we cling to thoughts and opinions that we're just that are just plain out of date. So, like Peter, uh, we want to go back to what we knew, fishing. We don't know what's next, and yet the Spirit of God invites us to repair, to rethink the kind of self we need to cultivate. And another thing, he says, is so often we think that everything that we do has to be a blissful personal experience. I know that. Um, A lot of folks are taking off traveling with high expectations that it's going to be the trip of a lifetime with such pent-up demand from the last couple of years. The story of Peter is a 
calling story that comes at the end, at the end, as I said, not at the beginning. It's about, therefore, it's about vocation, um, your calling. And what uh, Adam Grant says that's interesting in this podcast is that calling is vocare, is a Latin term to be called, it used to be about figuring out how God's gifts that you've been given can help you serve. But the sense of calling has become so secularized is that the calling has become personal fulfillment that's attached to a job or a career. It's about what you have to contribute is what it needs to be about, not about maximizing the bliss of your own experience or your own satisfaction in a in a job. So when you don't have a job anymore, being retired, it can cause sort of a crisis of identity. And about this calling, we see it when Jesus asked the question of Peter, Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Jesus said this to Peter, the fisherman, the fisherman. Peter knew fishing, not sheep herding, so he has to lean in to something new. Which is to say we often don't step forward to respond to God's invitation for something new in our life because we have to think that we have to be perfect in this society. But that's not the case. We don't have to hold up a perfect mirror. And when we do, you see, we probably don't like our reflection that much. And if we think it's just about us, um, we say, no, I don't want to because I'm not perfect. We don't have to be perfect. We just have to be good enough, especially when it comes to what you can do for others. It's not about your own ego. It's about saying, okay, How can I get out of the mode of trying to prove myself and into the mode of trying to improve myself? And I'm not here trying to convince anyone I'm the best. I'm only trying to help other people in this society, in this world in which we live in, to be a little better, to be a little kinder. And the only way that I can do that is to make myself better. It's not over. Jesus says in John, I will not leave you orphaned. Jesus said, I'll come to you. So it was after all that was said and done, after the book was closed, after our minds were made up one way or another, Jesus came to the lake shore. It is the Lord, Peter shouted from the boat. God's spirit ever seeks to blow through your life, rustling up life-giving stories of what's the what's next stories. God bless you as you put them into play. So here's the prayer for Music Word, Hope, and Prayer. Oh God, we often wonder what's next. We the ones who don't have all the answers, all the right answers. We who realize that we don't know the best response and posture to any given situation. Blessed are those who may have lost things that they can't get back and are learning to learn new ways to live here and now. And oh God, may we have the trust to lean in, unafraid to learn and change and be wrong along the way. Bless us 
we who are being stretched and pressed and pulled by the uncertainty that surrounds us. May we have the wisdom of thy discerning spirit as we discern what's next in our own life. Spirit of gentleness, stir us from placidness because we in your kingdom do not stay the same, but seek deeper faith and more fruitful practices. Blessed are we who are trying to live with courage, with humility, and kindness in a sea of uncertainty. Amen. Thank you for joining East Brentwood Presbyterian Church today for music, hope, word, and prayer. To learn more about the life and ministry of EBPC, our commitment to being a Matthew 25 congregation, or to support this ministry with a financial contribution, visit us at our website, ebpctn.org, or visit us on Facebook at East Brentwood PC, or subscribe to our YouTube channel, EBPC Videos. (music) 